Hi everybody, this is the Fish and Grits Podcast. Welcome back everyone. It's Fish Hi, and Grits. Everybody. Um, this is episode whatever, because I, I lost gang, count. Gang, 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 gang. I think um, it's episode 12. Okay. Um, before we start, we're going to be introducing a new structure to the podcast. Yeah, just a, a quick switch up. You know, I got to keep the people guessing. Um, and you know what I just thought about? You were supposed to talk about culture con, so maybe you could just add that in. Oh, the yeah. Um, Destiny went to this dope event, and she met some really dope people. And they got the juices flowing. So we're going to switch up the format of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Give you some structure. Give you some sections. Um, and hopefully you enjoy it. Um, and, and if you don't, and if we don't like it, we're just going to scratch it and figure out something to do. Right. Um, because I do, life is a learning process. I do want to say I, I sound so healthy. I can breathe. I'm not sick anymore. Yeah, because I feel like for the past couple episodes, I've been sounding nasal. It has not been a couple for five episodes. <laughs> you have been sick, so that's like we're a whole month, a month and a week. You've been sick, and there's more to that, which we'll get into later. But mm-hmm. um, let's just jump into the topics. Get this show. okay. So I'm gonna start off with Culture Con. So Culture Con was held in brooklyn you're really um, excited to talk about this shit because you cut me the fuck off like bitch okay i know you i know you better get them food snacks together though i know you better get them together real quick all right bam so once the culture came one of my friends just asked me if we wanted to go together i really didn't know too much about it but um after i bought the ticket no before i bought the ticket i think i was sold on the fact that beyonce's public was gonna be speaking there so I was like, you know what, kind of sick. And then I scrolled down and saw like, okay, Tracy Ellis Ross was going to be there. Kofi Finance was going to be there. Uh, Sanaa Latham. So it was just like this space where creatives, however you identify as a creative, it could be an artist, a musician, you weren't working with film, entertainment, social media, content creator, like all of those are creatives. So CultureCon was basically just for us to like, there were panel discussions. Um, Scotty Bean was there talking about like mental health and like wellness and different things like that. Tracy Ellis Ross and Elaine Welter Ross was there, and they had a whole discussion about like Tracy with her whole pattern beauty thing, and then also about like you know just how she's embarking on this future and like how Tracy was saying that um, you know. I thought that my big break was going to be girlfriends. And we all know what girlfriends meant to all of us growing up. Um, I think I self-identify as Tony with a mix of Joan and a little bit of Maya. But um, just talking about like how, you know, she had never even got invited to the Emmys when girlfriends was going on. So it's like, you know, just being your bigger, your big advocate for yourself. Like she said that she was standing in the mirror and she would just say, on Tracy Ellis Ross, best actress for a comedy television show. And she said, I would accept that award in my bathroom. But she, she was like, nobody else can make me feel good about myself. Like I can, and nobody knows the work that I give, like I do. So I'm going to give myself my flowers while I'm here. Um, then there were like other smaller activation stages where they had one topic that was centered around like entrepreneurship and like financial literacy. There was another um, one talking about like the power of social media and how like a lot of these apps that are being created are geared towards um, political activism and different things like that. One guy had uh, an app called Politoscope, where basically, like, 
brings all of I want to say like any of the topics around like political things and like you know different candidates and they kind of like make it simplified to where it's like easy or like they hub all this information together where it's easily accessible for people and then another guy had um an app that was created after his partner um was killed by the police and basically it identifies by each state and then each city and then each county all of the officers that have like um, arrest against them or like have complaints filed or like have been written up for different things you can go in and like look at their badge number their names their pictures and it shows you like who within your city or neighborhood is like a cop that is problematic that you need to try to get out and stuff like that so it was really really cool um i'm gonna make this shorter as possible there was also another aspect um where they had all these brand activations so target was there foot locker was there hbo um Universal Media Group, I want to say, was there where they was doing like all of these R and B and like hip hop type vinyl records. I got a Beyonce subtitle um, limited edition vinyl record for free. Um, Netflix was there promoting Rhythm and Flow, the new show with Carter B and Chance the Rapper. And there was like a happy hour. There was like free food, all these different food trucks. Like it was just a really nice atmosphere. Um, everything was really, really good. Elaine Westerbrock said that my outfit was slaying and that I did a fabulous job. So, yeah, it was really fun. And the conversation that I had with the gentleman there, I'm not going to say we discussed because it's top secret and it's confidential. But hopefully there will be blessings moving into the future and also the new year for things to come, especially with this podcast. And that was CultureCon. And she didn't mention that Quincy's fine ass was also there. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just going to add that in real quick. I sent you a picture of him, though. Yeah, you did. You sent me a lot of pictures, and I was very, very happy. Yeah, everybody on my social media was tight. Everybody was like, uh, where the hell are you? And what is this? And da 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 And honestly, I've been to conferences where I feel like the price of the tickets is, like, extremely high. But I thought that this was, you know, sort of kind of priced well especially for like the experience of it all oh and also i got a velvet do-rag it's a burgundy velvet do-rag and i just think that that is the flyest thing that i have right now when it comes to my hair because i have to keep the wag swimming <laughs> but that was it does it match really your um press on nails first of all you are not gonna out my business like that on country <laughs> and tell everybody that these were press on nails yes they're beautiful press on nails though. they are they are flawless they look like they you got a manicure they are still hanging on the thumb and the pinky is giving me some issues right now but yes you need to they, them hoes down a little bit i like the length shockingly i like it they're really really long but i've been navigating um it's <laughs> it's hard to pull up my jeans if they too tight um it's hard to type at work it's hard to text but those just think I, you know, I just, I just chalk it up to the game. Like, you know what? If I'm gonna be a how bad you clean bitch, your nose with them things? You know what? I struggle. I like, I just blow. <laughs> I, just blow. <laughs> I just blow, and I hope that it come out. And if it don't, how come you get out, crushed I, out your eye? Yo, okay. So I just rub it. I don't like stick my finger like in the corner of my eye. Or if I do, I use like the little gristle. That's between the tip of my nail. I mean, the tip of my <laughs> finger in the middle of my finger. That little gristle right there. If that's what mm-hmm. you want to call that little joint. I just use that to clean it out. And I can only do it with my middle finger. I cannot do it with my index finger. Okay. So all my other fingers are being utilized more than my um my thumb and my index finger. Okay. Well, um, 
On to some sad news, just to keep this short for him, at least. We're going to send a rest in peace to um, Elijah Cummings. Mm-hmm. He was the Republican... What? Can you feel me in? I'm blanking right now. Elijah was a Republican? Yeah. Really? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he is. He was a Republican. I thought, no. I thought he was a Democrat. Everything I've been seeing is R.E.P. dot Elijah Cummings. Because he's a representative. Oh, I thought that would mean Republican. <laughs> okay, that makes sense then. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, to me. I thought that. I mean, but they also when they when I see that, I also think Republican. So I just thought he was a Republican. Oh, okay. Well, I, okay, that makes sense that he's Democrat. Okay, well, he's a Democrat. He was okay. the Maryland um, congressman. Okay, yeah. Rest in peace to him. A lot of people have mm-hmm. been posting about him, and he died really young. Sixty-eight is a very young age to die. Yeah. Apparently, he had he was dealing with some health issues that we still mm-hmm. really don't know what was going on, but. Rest in peace to that man. Yeah. Rest in peace. He was a real he was real. You know, he was black. He was proud. He was unapologetic. And we need more leaders like him. Yeah. And unfortunately he's gone. But I've been seeing a lot of people post clips of him and stuff he's talked about and mm-hmm. it's really inspiring. So if you don't I know think him, it's really get familiar. I think it's really cool, like when they show pictures of what some of these uh representatives and like other um politicians look like when they was like younger. Mm-hmm. I think it's always so cool to just see what they look like and then what they look like now. Mm-hmm. But I know he just looked pretty dope to me when I saw like I guess one of his cap and gown pictures. Hmm. Okay, and on to yeah. another sad topic because I don't want to. I kind of want to end on a light note. Um, so once again. If it wasn't enough with this whole Botham Jean situation where, mm-hmm. you know, yay, she got convicted, boo, it's 10 years, um, and she's getting more sympathy from the judge and the bailiff and the jurors than the actual victim, the actual man who was shot and killed in his home while eating ice cream. Um, we had another case in Texas again, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. where... 28-year-old Tatiana Jefferson was shot and killed in her home where her nephew was there, her 8-year-old nephew, and they were playing video games after mm-hmm. her neighbor noticed that all the lights were on in her house and her door was open. And so, being a nice neighbor that he was, he didn't call um, 911. He called a non-emergency number, which is kind of like 311 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, the cops showed up, and the body cams were turned on, and... I didn't watch the video because I really did not want to take yeah, my I psyche the video through either. seeing her get shot. But apparently, like, it took maybe 0.4 seconds for him to pull out his gun and shoot her twice. Mm-mm. After, did he, did he call out in the video to see if anybody I was... didn't. I didn't watch the video because yeah. I just feel like I don't want to normalize <laughs> yeah. the police I, it's, it's killing black and brown people. Seeing, I don't want to keep seeing it over yeah. and over again. And so, it'll never be normal to me. You know, another case of another unarmed black person being shot and killed by the police. You know, and then what comes after that is this narrative of, well, she had a gun in her home. And and that really pissed me off because I'm just like, y'all have to find any little thing to try to discredit the victim and justify what the fuck this bitch-ass cop did. He was put on administrative leave and then he tried to resign before they fired him. And now he's being convicted of murder and rightfully so. But I'm not going to rejoice too too early because and he's out on bond exactly because of that shit right there and he could easily get off 
or just like this Amber Geiger bitch, he could easily get a, a small ass sentence where and he probably is and... only going to do exactly where he's probably only going to do maybe three of those years of the sentence before he can be out of parole. Like, I'm just sick of the shit. I really want to focus on a Tatiana Jefferson, how she was a pre-med student, how she was going to Xavier. She liked mm-hmm. video games. She was a really pretty woman. You know, her parents spoke highly of her. And I'm, I really, and I'm also sad for the neighbor who really was just trying to be a good neighbor. Yeah. And he said, like, he never would have called if he knew it was going to end that way. And it's just like, even when you try to work around the whole because it's like he he did that because he knew how fucked up the cops are here with shooting black folks and it still ended up in in somebody dying for no fucking reason shot in their own home and that and her nephew is going to be traumatized by that for the rest of his fucking life that him and his aunt was just playing video games and she was shot and killed in front of him i don't even want to think about that because I have a nephew, so I really don't even want to think about if that was me and he had to go through that shit. So I'm just sending prayers to her family. I'm sending prayers to that nephew. I'm sending prayers to the neighbor. Fuck the cop. Mm-hmm. Fuck the police. <laughs> Fuck the justice system. Um, and it's just sad that it's just another name to add to our list before the holidays. And yeah, I'm just bracing myself for when the next name come out. Because I kind of feel like before that, it was a little quiet. I feel like I can't remember who the last person was to get shot outside of both of Jean. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just tired. It's to the point where I'm just like, when I see shit like that, I'm not even surprised. I'm just like, wow, another dead black person. Yeah, unfortunately. So I didn't know if you wanted to add anything. I just wanted like people are so quick to be like oh we need to forgive the cop we need to forgive this like the whole amber geiger situation i don't want to say her name but i saw like somebody write like a think piece or something saying like yes we can't say how people forgive or dictate how people forgive but there is one thing by forgiving someone and then inserting yourself in the space of the person that you're trying to forgive like those are two completely different things and we always think that forgiveness needs to be some type of public display display of reconciliation when forgiveness could be just something that you got in your mind and you know that you forget them, but you ain't got to come out and say it. All right, you ain't got to come out and hug nobody. Yeah, it's like... And then they, yeah. I was going to say, it's like everybody, like, when we first saw him hug that girl, it was kind of like, what the fuck? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, the, for me, the bitch would have been lucky if I had spit in her motherfucking face. And I mean, I would have, I would have conjured up the spit from the deepest depths of my fucking soul and spit in her fucking face if she killed my wow. brother. But when I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I don't, I can't dictate how this dude, this young man is gonna heal from this. And if that makes him sleep better at night, or if that's how he copes, then let him do it. But that fucking judge, that bitch could kick rocks. So I don't know. I can't dictate. I can't dictate how people forgive, but I don't want to see stuff like that. Me neither. Forgive and then like move. move it's along. a little fresh. It's like it's just like what? It's a little fresh for you to be trying to hug her and asking, "Can you give her a hug?" For what? Like yeah. what for? What What is giving her a hug gonna do for you? Somebody, oh somebody God. said I thought he was gonna low key shake her ass. <laughs> and he was oh like, like he was gonna be like, "Can I give her a hug?" And then go up there, and low key got to shake her ass. But that would have been an interesting twist of events, but. I just say you're better than me because I would yeah. never. And even if I did do that, it would be a long ass time before I ever could sit in front of you 
look at you, breathe the same air you breathe. It would just, it would take years of working on myself for me to be like, let me hug her. And then the daddy told myself, I can see us being friends in the future. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is where Mm -hmm. you got me all the way completely fucked up. And then just for the mom to come out and be like, I'm I'm not standing for none of this. I don't know who the, I don't, sorry to this man. I don't know who this man is, (laughs) but this is what we need to focus on, okay? I'm sorry to this man. Justice for my son. I'm sorry to this woman. I'm sorry to say, I don't know this woman. If I saw her walking down the Kiki Palmer is their culture, huh? It was funny. And they asked her, like, what's your biggest moment in 2019? And, like, you know, she's on, like, the Good Morning show with Sarah and Michael Strahan and whatever. And then she was like, honestly, sorry to this man. I don't know why I was so big. But she was like, I really did not know that damn man, y'all. Like, she was still talking about it. And then we went to the happy hour. They had a drink called Sorry to This Man. Wow. She better make some shirts Like, if you was to get... I think she did. Like, if you was to get intoxicated in something like that, or, like, your memory go off, be like, sorry to this man. I don't know this man. Yeah. I'm just drinking. I don't know who that is. But, yeah. On to lighter things. Rest in peace to Tatiana Jefferson. Mm -hmm. Um, Please. Yes. Um, who won't get to get her medical degree, won't become a doctor, um, and won't get to play video games with her nephew anymore. So, thanks a lot, you bitch ass cop. Thanks a fucking lot. Um, you wanted to talk about the Kardashians. I'm gonna let you have it because I really don't have it. It's not just about the Kardashians. I think it's just people in general. So I don't know if y'all have seen this rise and shine that Miss from um Kylie Jenner walking into Stormy's like room. And she lifts the the light switch. Like, why is this? I just want to know where she funny. going dressed like that. I'm. Anyways. I don't know, but the the shit was funny. Yes, it was. And then I was like, as soon as I saw it the first time, I was like, social media is gonna take this, and the Kardashians gonna end up making some money off of this. And what did it do? It blew up. And then Kris Jenner. I know Kylie couldn't come up with it herself. Kris Jenner made some merch off of it. And I won't be surprised if a whole ass song come out after this talking about some rising Well, they said Kylie got that from her mom because they posted an old ass video with Chris's original face from Mm -hmm. back in the day where she was driving in this car and she was saying it. So that's where she got it from. She got it from her mom. Okay. So don't think they not finna revamp this and make some more money off this shit. And y'all gonna stream it and y'all gonna play it because y'all think it's funny. I'm just saying, we have got to stop giving out our intellectual property and like all of this creative shit that we come up with and give and just giving it to people that are already successful. Like we make their job easier. Like literally. Like we really do. We really do. I don't know. And now I feel hypocritical and now I feel like it doesn't make sense for me to have this point. Because when Sorry to This Man came out and that blew up. Now Kiki Palmer got shirts and stuff that say sorry to this man. So I don't know. I just feel, I, it just makes me feel some type of way. It's like that whole thing when that girl, you remember the video where she was like eyebrows on fleek? Mm-hmm. The fuck? You remember that? And then like Now white people have co-opted that and they use it and they don't use exactly. it right. <laughs> and they and they said that, oh, we started saying this before then, all this type of stuff. Which is why I'm happy that Megan Thee Stallion um, trademarked Hot Girl Summer. Did she trademark it or copyright it? Because there's a difference. Mm, Either way, she whatever it. she applied for, she got it. Because what you noticed during this summer was 
brands started coming out saying, are you having a hot girl summer? <laughs> Are you are you having a hot what's your hot girl summer outfit? What's your hot girl summer playlist? What's your hot girl summer makeup routine? Like, okay. Did your company start using it? Girl, I I know. <laughs> and I I don't wanna see it and I better not see it. But it's just the fact like like y'all our ideas are so powerful. Like the creativity that a lot of us possess is just so powerful and they know. They know that we, like, have it within us. Like, they know we do. They're like culture vultures. Like, legit. Mm -hmm. And I know, I'm just just sick of people. And I could be taking this personal because I've, like, gave an idea at work and I've seen it, like, be placed on the back burner because no one believed in it and saw the light in it, even though I saw it, like, six months down the road just for us to get back to six months down that road itself and then somebody high up come out and say oh we think that this is something that you should implement and just for like somebody that didn't come up with that idea get deleted because it came down from someone else even though it was originally my idea so I could be feeling some type of way about that but I really am just not for like people just taking things that normal people come up with but in this situation they didn't steal anything all they did was they didn't they didn't so they didn't this this was originally this is something that that they didn't take from black folks it's something chris jenner did back in the day yeah kylie jenner just said it black folks and they made made a joke out of it yeah but i mean as a business person all they did was say well hey because y'all think this shit's so funny and, you know, it's trending. Why not just take that and make shirts off of it? I mean, it's just a smart business move. And we can't. Yeah. I'm not upset because I'm like, I mean, it's not like they stole it from us. Like, I really, I'm like, finally, something you motherfuckers originally came up with. You're actually trademarking this shit. Actually, I can be happy for you this time because the shit is funny. And it's actually something you invented or came up with. So, if y'all could do that shit more often, I would really appreciate it. I would really really appreciate it but that's why i said maybe i'm just feeling some type of because yeah it's personally just, i'm going through something like that right now and just to, to like see it happening i'm mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. just hitting a little bit too it's close funny. to home i can't say i can't say that it's not funny because shit is funny it made yeah, me because she ain't got giggle. no tone no texture no cadence and stormy was looking like and stormy like she had been up for a while because she was already sitting up in the bed fully dressed yeah ready to go i'm like how many takes did y'all do with this shit because Ooh. If re- if this was real, like Stormy probably would have still been laying been out in the bed, knocked out. Like, bitch, what? Rise and shine, yeah. girl. I'm trying to get this nap out. I don't know what the fuck you talking about, but yeah. yeah. Um. So for our last topic, the one that's kind of been taking over the entire fucking week, <gasps> Gina Rodriguez and Cancel her. the use of the N word now. I Gina is a troll. I think that Gina knows what she be doing. She doing this on purpose. Yes. Like I don't understand what you thought was gonna happen that you were recording yourself on your Instagram story, a very public, popular social network. You said it in the camera, looked dead in the camera, and said it, and then kind of giggled afterwards, like you knew what the fuck you were doing, like you posted it. Like, when you record shit on your story, you have the option to delete it. But you did not. You posted that shit. And this ain't the first offense. Because she's done a lot of really weird shit in the past where, like, she she almost seems to make it like a minority competition between black women or black people and, like, Latina people. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. 
we all struggling like the same way. Why is it that whenever a black girl gets a compliment or there's like a black woman or black people that accomplish a feat, you have to come in and be like, oh, but the Latina people. Oh, don't forget about us. It's just like, can we just yeah. have our moments? It's like, I get it. Y'all are fighting the fight too. But like, come on, sis. Like, do this shit to them white motherfuckers that you be around. Do that to and them. And then like, because somebody started like, so after this came out, folks just started pulling out receipts mm-hmm. on several times that she has like just tried to erase like black from the conversation altogether. Mm-hmm. And I think there was like that one interview that she did with Yara Shahidi. Yeah. Where the guy was like, you know, Yara, how do you feel with being such like a positive and inspiration to black women and young black girls? And Gina cut before before Yara she even come like before anything came out her mouth, Gina was like, uh uh-uh, uh, for all women. And I'm like, no. And then I think the dude was like, yeah, for all women, but more specifically to black women. Because it's true. And like if there was an opportunity where you were sitting down with a, a Latina or with Mario a Lopez interviewer. Yeah, and they said for young Latina women, I don't think that Yara would come out and be like, uh-uh, for all women. Yeah. Because I think this is something about black women. I think that black women understand their place. Like not not even not that we even understand our place. I think a lot of times we create the spaces that other people want to see. Like as soon as I feel like Black women or black people come up with like something that's cool or something that's, you know, like cutting edge. Mm-hmm. There's always pop-ups of it being imitated and like copied trying to come up around it. That's one thing. And then I also understand that because black women know how it feels to be marginalized and like belittled and looked as less, that they will not do the same thing to other groups of women. Like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just because I know that we have our lane in our space, and I'm not about to step over there and try to cut you off or pull you down from what you're trying to get over there in your lane. Right. Like, with your ethnicity and different things like that. But do I think that other women do that often? Hell yes. It's always somebody who is not black trying to erase black out of the conversation. But to get to the meat, to get back to the meat of what the issue is, she was rapping along to a Fuji song. Yeah, and there was a line where Lauren Hill said, "Niggas give me heebie-jeebies," and she said the n-word. So you know, like always, social media went into an uproar. But it wasn't as like it was. It seemed to be a line drawn. Like some people were like, "Oh, you know, the same argument where like Latino people are black, so it's okay for them to say it." Or some people were like, "No, fuck that shit. This bitch <sighs> is racist as fuck." Or this bitch always coming for black folks, so no, she don't get to say the N-word. And, you know, she came out with an apology that was lackluster because she said, she said, if I offended you. The community. You. She said, if First I offended you. She said, if I offended you, which is, like, not a real apology right. because you know you offended people. Right. So just come out and say, I apologize for my comments in that derogatory word. She did not say anything about her saying the N-word in that apology. She said nothing. And she said, I also apologize to the community of color. I was like, girl, literally the only community that this is affecting is the black community because we have been called the N-word like right. throughout our existence within America. Right. And so and she came out with another like little press, IG press, release i don't know i didn't read that shit because i really don't care because i just don't see it for her like that virginia version but 
you know, it sparked a lot of conversations about who can Latino people say the N-word and, like, do you have to be Afro-Latino to say it? You know, a Marla nigger came out and said, well, you know, like, if you don't want people to say it, then don't put it in your songs. And I'm like, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, but my whole thing is this. Even if it is in songs, you know how, like, you sit with your mama or you out in public somewhere? Let's just say you and your mama, like, your mama's street, and you rapping a song. How easy for you, Aaliyah, is it to skip over certain words within that song and pick up like nothing ever? Like, you know, yeah. you never skipped over nothing. Just say blank. You ain't All gotta right. say shit. Just yeah. silent. I don't say nothing. It just, I skip over it. It's really easy. And then another thing is like, okay, but why is it that no one else can do that? And then the whole thing comes up to, oh, but. You know, you guys say that she used it as a term of endearment. Like, when can we, like, you know, say you guys made it susceptible. You guys say it all the time. Here's another thing. You're not us. And why is it that y'all want to say it so bad? Mm -hmm. It it just boggles my mind that people want to use the word so bad. You know, white people don't like for nobody to tell them no because they're so used to getting what they want. So to even tell them that they cannot use the word is just. An offense on their white, but it's not even white people. It's well, no, I'm saying everybody. Them. I don't know what other people of color, like Latina people, for example, get out of it. Maybe for them, it's something that's trendy, it's cool. Maybe. And this is, and this is another point. I don't know. Everybody wants to be an N word until it's time. Until it's time to be, to be an N word, and that may be the case for them, for Latina people, because they are people of color. But for white folks, I just think it's. Okay, how dare you tell no, me that I can't say that no, word? And but still, still, my point is, you can go across. I can go across the street right now in the Dominican barbershop and be like, "Oh, all of y'all black." I know that all of them are gonna be quick and be like, "I'm not black. I'm Dominican." Like I know it's gonna be mm-hmm. like, "I'm not this. I'm that." And I've seen it here before. I've even seen it with people like that are from Africa or that are from the Caribbean. So a lot of I'd be like, "Oh, girl, you too black too." Oh no, I'm Jamaican, and I'm like, "Okay." So it's like there, even though like when it's time for us all to be a community of color, it's all good. But as soon as you signal one person out and you try to say that they black, oh uh uh-uh, uh honey, I'm not black. Uh, my mom is this, my dad is that, my grandmother is this with this, and I'm just like, right, why can't we just like you know like what what is the issue? Which is why I didn't want to say like the whole everybody wants to be black until it's black. I don't think it applies solely to white people. I think it applies to everybody who is not identifying as black. It's an issue. Nobody wants to be called black. They do so, not. So, my question is how come it's okay for Cardi B to say nigga, but it's not okay for Gina Rodriguez to say nigga? And I just want somebody to answer that question for me. Because somebody asked me that too at work. And I, I, I want to like, know what I the difference don't. is. Because I heard people say, well, Cardi has always identified as black. And I'm like, has she? Because I've never heard her ever speak about blackness, how it relates to her. I've heard that her dad is Trinidadian, but. I don't know how true that is. So I just want to know mm-hmm. why is it okay for her who would, who she is technically a white passing Latina. Why is it okay for her to say it? And we don't say anything to her about it, but with this, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, like, but Gina Rodriguez can't say it or JLo can't say it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we gonna hold everybody accountable, then Cardi B need to be called to the carpet too. She can't say that shit either, even if she is married to a black man and her child is half black. Because blackness is not just you having dark skin, you know. It's not. Um, and just because you got African ancestry all the way back down there in the line, that that don't mean nothing either, you know. So I just want to know what is the difference. 
and and like, is it okay? Why is it okay? I just uh, and you may not have an answer to that, but I just I, just I don't think like I have the answer because now I'm thinking about it. I don't think I ever thought about it. Yeah, but somebody did ask me at work, and I just what did you tell I, them? I don't think I don't think I I don't think I answered it then. And I don't think I can answer it now. Yeah, I just. I feel like it's gonna be like a whole dissertation. Somebody's gonna have to really like put that together because you're right. You're right. We do give her a pass, and I'm trying to figure out, but why? And I mean, I don't know if with the Gina situation, I was necessarily mad. I think I wasn't angry. I was just kind of like, I just think it's like, would I even be that mad if I hadn't seen the other shit she did prior? Because I'm not going to sit there and act yeah. like when I heard it, I was just, like, enraged. Like, maybe the way I would have been if, like, a white person had said it. But I'm just, like... But I guess because hers has been... Every time that she's had the opportunity to probably, like, you know, be an ally or uplift black people, she's done the complete opposite. And so with Cardi, and I think because that this, she has... But, yeah, and I think, yeah... It's a little bit easier to swallow her saying it. But yeah, but I still feel like that's problematic. Yeah, because though. you can be an ally without like white people can be allies to people of color and fight for civil rights without calling us nigger this, nigger that. But we I guess have that's to... why some people can swallow this pill better. Well, I mean, why should we be swallowing pills for anybody? Why should we be making exceptions for anybody? That's the real question. Like, if Gina can't say it, Cardi can't say it. And I mean, even though Amara La Negra is obviously Afro-Latina, should she even be able to say the shit? Because I've heard her say it too. Mm. So I just think these are questions that we need to establish. And if we're going to hold one accountable, hold all the motherfuckers accountable. Because true, it's not fair to just be letting Cardi do whatever the fuck she want to do. Maybe because she's part of hip-hop culture or because she's I guess she I just, I just I don't, don't know why to I just don't know why this is such a big deal. And I just wish that people, if you're not black, don't say it. It should be that simple. If you're not black, don't say it. Um, Because like you said. And you know it's wrong if you say it. It's trendy. Because you always come back and say, why can't I say it? Like, you know you're not supposed to say it. I think it's just because people think saying the word is trendy. Because like you said, as black people, we set the culture. We start shit. And people, like you said, everybody want to be us until it's time to be us. They want our culture, our hair, our booties are men but mm-hmm. when it is time for real when real shit pop off and we need y'all to be there support us and stand with us y'all ain't nowhere to be found so nowhere. I just think that if them fucking Caucasian and white walkers can't say it them Asians can't say it them goddamn Middle Eastern Asian people can't say it then them damn Latina folks can't say it I don't give a fuck Evelyn Lozada if you are from New York and you grew up around black people bitch you cannot say it because they also pulled some receipts out on your motherfucking ass when somebody asked you if you were black and you said no and you put a whole bunch of angry ass emojis right behind it so bitch do not come out now and try to say you Afro-Latina bitch no fuck her and fuck Shiny because they're fucking colorist. And I said I was going to cuss their ass out. And I'm going to make this brief as fuck. Both of you bitches are colorist as fuck. And Shani, you need to watch the fuck out. Because your fucking kids are darker than you. And they look like Shaq. So mm-hmm. please be mindful of how you treat women that look like your fucking kids. Because when your kids come up to you one day and talk about how somebody was calling them ugly or cockroach. I want you to keep that same energy with them that you had with OG. Fuck you. And I hope they cancel the goddamn show. And I'm done. All right, drop my phone down. So we are done with our topics section of the show. Um, we're going to be introducing a new section now called "Welcome to Adulthood." Um, I don't know if you want to go first or if I'm going to go first. No, you can go first. 
So, like earlier, you guys know I've been sick for a fucking month. And I finally ended up going to the doctor because I was tired of being sick and coughing. My throat had started hurting again after I had took over-the-counter medication, prescription medication, cough syrup, tea. I was taking everything, even nasty-ass Robitussin, and I fucking hate Robitussin with a passion. But I was taking everything I could to get well. Went to the doctor's. Don't have insurance yet because with my job, it doesn't kick in until 60 days. So I had to pay out of pocket. I paid over $150 for that one doctor visit just for her to tell me that I was sick. I already knew that. And to basically prescribe me a bunch of medications. Those medications Mm -hmm. were like 140 But I only got like, because she's prescribed me five things. But I only got like three of them. I got the cough syrup. I got like this one antibiotic. And I got some steroids that I had to take. So I was taking those every day like I was supposed to. After a week, I was good. I was like, yay, I'm not sick anymore. But then some other shit happened. So Sunday night, I had like some little bumps on the back of my thighs. And I just thought something had bit me. So I didn't think nothing of it. I woke up Monday morning. A bitch had broke out in hives everywhere. And when I say everywhere, they were on my legs and my thighs the worst. Just red blotches. They were on my arms. They were on the bottom of my fucking feet. They were on my feet. So I went to the store, and they were on my hands, too. So I went to the store, got some Benadryl, thinking, okay, if I take this shit, and I threw the antibiotics away, because I figured that's what was breaking my skin out. I was like, I just throw this shit away, take some Benadryl, to be fine. I woke up Tuesday. The shit was on my neck. It was on my face. It was on my feet and my legs. I said, I called my job. I said, you know what? I'm not going to work today. The shit got worse. So I'm sorry, but I'm not coming in. Because I look like a fucking train wreck. So I ended up going to the doctor again. And told them what the situation was. Told them what I thought was happening. And they gave me a shot. Prescribed me more medicine, including some EpiPens. Just in case a bitch throat closed up. Or I couldn't breathe and told me you can't go to work the next day and we want you to come back within 24 hours because we want to make sure that the new medicine and the shot we gave you doesn't cause another allergic reaction. So that doctor visit was 187. So in the past two weeks, I spent almost $300, maybe more going to the fucking doctor. And I didn't get the EpiPens because I was like, I I'm, I don't have it. Like, my prescriptions totaled $300 based off of EpiPens, more steroids, and another medication. And I couldn't afford to get no EpiPens <clears throat> because I had just spent money going to the doctor and I had spent money on bills. So I'm like, I don't have it. So if I just happen to die from this, it was just my time to go because I just can't afford to get any EpiPens. So, moral of the story is, I ended up getting the medicine. My skin is clear now. I'm almost done. But I'm just like, I hate being an adult. I hate not having insurance because if I had insurance, I wouldn't have to worry about paying so much money out of pocket for medical expenses. Um, I miss having my dad's insurance and having him pay for everything. And Adulting sucks. That's just what I concluded. So, 
this is my welcome to adulthood. <clears throat> All right. I'm sorry you went through that, best friend. Yeah. Well, you started high. That. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything like that would have freaked me out. I would have been at the damn. Like when I saw all over my tattoo <clears throat> and how red it was, like I got really scared mm-hmm. because I woke mm-hmm. up that morning and my fingers were itching and I kept scratching them and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And when I woke up and saw my arm and how red it was, I was really scared. I was like, it, it was everywhere. It was the worst on my thighs. When I say my thighs were just covered in them, covered in them. Mm-mm. Like you would have thought, like you, if you saw me, you would have been like, what the fuck? Like my mom was like, damn, your skin's so sensitive. And I'm like, yeah. it's not one thing, it's another. It's, and I had just got paid. So it was like, bitch, your check is gone. Like, that's it. This is your check. Mind you, you got wow. your car note coming up. And after that, your car insurance. And then your phone bill. And gas. And food. So, adulting is, yeah. What about you, best friend? I think that I am just over adulthood because I don't see how we spent so much time in school. Like half of, like majority of my life, I've only been out of school for like, what, two years. Majority of my life, I have been in a classroom. I have had instant gratification. I have taken a test and got an A and was like, oh my God, I know it. I'm beasting at this. Go to another grade the next year, do the same thing. Like, oh my God, I'm beasting at this. You graduate, all this type of stuff. Welcome to adulthood where you start working, where anything that you do well, like during your job, is just, oh, good job. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay, now sit your ass over here for two more years and then maybe, just maybe you can get a promotion. And then everybody talks about like, oh, you young people, you just think that everything is supposed to come to you like that. All you guys think is just instant gratification is what you need in life. I'm like, newsflash, ho. Everything I've done up until this point, I have been rewarded for, okay? But now I'm still trying to navigate what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing as an adult. And y'all going to tell me that this is completely wrong and now I got to change my whole way of thinking? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of going to work. I'm sick of the fact that I be wanting to take a nap and I ain't got nap time at my job because I think that naps are healthy and they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. No, mine is not as... Um, what am I trying to say? Detrimental is not having insurance, but psychologically, it fucks with you mm-hmm. that you go so hard at your job and you don't reap the benefits and the rewards for it. But your entire life, you have been brought up on this whole idea of if you do this and you do great at it, you're going to get what you need in return. If you study hard and you go to class and you listen to what the teacher or the professor is saying, you're going to get an A. All right, you get that A. Then you graduate. Summa cum laude. Nobody cares about the fact that you graduated summa cum laude. Or magna. They just want to see that you got a degree. So really what y'all showing us is that mediocrity and just us taking all these participation awards is what we need to be going hard for. I think not. And I'm tired of the rat race that y'all have called corporate America and working nine to five in adulthood. And that's my piece. Yeah, I just think adulting is just there's no real guide for it. It's like you just it's do not. it. It's just, you're just winging it. Every day you wake up like, oh. Another day of bullshit and utter, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And your parents don't know what they're doing. They've just been doing it longer than you have. So they've just gotten used to the unpredictability of life. And it's just like, hell, they still adulting. They trying to figure shit out. Yeah. And it's just like, what is the point of going to college? 
when half the shit that you learn, you're not even applying it to your real life. You're not applying it. You're not using your fucking degree. So you get in debt for no fucking reason. It's just, it's a lot. And so we hope you guys can relate, you know, and understand our pain. I'm sure a lot of you can if you are an adult and you've been through these situations. But yeah, we just wanted to add this segment in. Um, you know, just share our experiences with you. I know me personally, because I'm like, it's been a long, like, September was the worst. It was a weird way to start off my 25th year, to be sick for a whole fucking month, and then turn around and get highs. So, um, yeah. But, um, this concludes Welcome to Adulthood. We're going to take a quick break, and then come back with the rest of the show. So, you know what we think about topics like Basketball Wives and Donald Trump, but you don't know what we're listening to. Every few weeks, Daya and I will be releasing the DNA playlist, a culmination of 10 songs that reflect our music taste and act as an extension of our personalities. Coming out this week is Volume 4, with sounds from DJ Mustard, Justine Sky, and Isaiah Rashad. Here's a sneak peek. It's Whatever by Aliyah. Just like the birds that whistle in the trees, in the leaves. You can access the playlist on our Spotify page, in addition to previous volumes. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello, world. To all of you people that like to just go around and ask ignorant-ass shit to people from Mississippi, more specifically, educate yourself, ho. Listen, just because I introduce myself and I state the name of the state that I'm from, do not bombard me with this question. Destiny, did you grow up on a farm? No. Ho, did you grow up on a farm? Do you like milking cows? Do you have chickens in your backyard? Do you have a goat named Billy? And is your dad named Jim Bob? And are you guys marrying your cousins? Or wait, or did you marry your brother? All right. Because you think that we all do things like that in the South, more specifically the Mississippi, I give a hearty fuck you to you. And no, I did not grow up on a farm. I did, however, grow up on about three acres of land because land is wealth. And you would know that if you owned some. So mind your business. Okay, you guys. Um, so this is our new segment called Homegrown, um, where we're going to go into everything Mississippi related. If you've never been to the South, let alone Mississippi, because I know a lot of y'all haven't. Um, we're gonna give you a sneak peek but into everything. Everybody in their mama is from Mississippi. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Run and tell that homeboy. We got a lot every time of famous I people. introduce myself. They're like, oh my god. You know, my grandmother was born in Mississippi. I'm sure she was. We birthed some of the greatest people in the infos- because Mississippi is so trash next to Florida. They migrate to different places in the United States. And that's how y'all got to where y'all are now. Yeah, so Oprah's from here. Morgan Freeman is from here. Brandy is from here. Britney Spears is from here. I keep forgetting that Britney Spears is from Mississippi. Yeah, she's from... I was going to say Macomb. Brandy is from Macomb, but I forgot what part of Mississippi. I think Leanne Rimes is also from Mississippi. So, yeah, we just have mm. an abundance of great people who come here, leave, forget where they come from, and act like they don't know us. But that's another topic and if for another day. Faves, and if you have a fave, look through that family tree, because somebody from that family was born in Mississippi, and they created your fave in the making. 
right, but basically the segment is just going to be us giving you a sneak peek into everything mississippi events food people music what we got going on um so i can go last because mine kind of deals with music okay. we should go into the next segment so you can go first talk about so, your store homegrown so my store that i own with Ooh, my brother girl oh that's that just powerful to say that i own we not on shit but my name but go ahead child. <laughs> <laughs> that i own um with my brother who is also a fellow partner with me um along with our cousins uh, on my mom on them side uh, we started Main Street Market we named it Main Street because it is on the main street of Utica, Mississippi the street is actually called Main Street um, and our tagline actually is your homegrown grocer because all of us are from Mississippi we were born and raised in Mississippi and we have lived in Utica um, majority of our life I only moved here after you know graduation, anywho and where is, here, where is here for people who don't know where you live? New Jersey. Okay. 10 minutes outside of New York City, but you can figure out where you think I live, but I'm not going to tell you because y'all don't need to know. Anywho. All right. Main Street Market. Um, basically, Utica is a food desert. Um, my mother and other people in the community have to drive 40 to 45 minutes just to get fresh produce, fresh meats, greens, vegetables, all of that good stuff. Um, we do have a Dollar General within the area, but again, that's a lot of processed foods, and we're not trying to compete with Dollar General because we're trying to get you to the healthy, fresh meat that they can't provide to you. So we set it up. Um, we had the idea in May, and we opened up in September. So that was only like, what, four to five months mm-hmm. of us like brainstorming and trying to put this together. So we put a lot of stuff together. It was actually like low um, overhead costs. Like it really didn't take that lot to, it really didn't take a lot to start it up. And a lot of people keep asking like, oh, how did you guys do this? Did you like use a loan, grants, different things like that? No, we didn't. Um, We just put together um, our funds um, and our savings and we just went ahead and did it. And I tell people the hardest part about doing something is literally just to start doing that something that you want to do. It's not that you have fear in your head and different. Like, yes, you have fear of what that dream could be, but you just need to start. Because the hardest part about going to the gym is literally just going to the gym. Not even the working out part. It's just getting out the bed to go do it. So we started that. Um, sales are good. I check the sales every day. I'm really OCD about it. Um, we've been we received a lot of good feedback from the community. We even have people from neighboring communities that uh, come in to patron, be, become patrons with us. Um, we also have it set up to where we also give meats and different things from external vendors. But we also want us to give an opportunity for the people within the community that grow veggies and like, you know, have cows or chickens, stuff like that. You know, if you want to sell your crops or different things within Main Street Market, we'll let you sell it. And we don't touch that. Like we don't touch any of their profit. It goes straight back to what they you know need in their pocket so it's just the opportunity for us to create jobs within the town of Utica to make sure that our dollar circles more before it leaves Utica and to just make sure that there are healthy alternatives 
to different foods that we have in Mississippi. Um, we've been on the radio. I know the news channel has been down there a couple of times to talk to us about it. And it's just been a very collaborative and um, family type aspect of it. And I think it's serving us in the best way possible. And once we get this formula down packed, we're going to go to other rural areas and communities within Mississippi. And we're going to set them up the same way as well and make sure that they have sustainable foods and meats and different things like that. And then after a while, we're going to go through the South and we're just going to touch the whole Southern region. And then we're going to just blow up and be um, across the United States. And we're going to buy out Whole Foods. And I claim all this. And yeah, that's how I see the future going for Main Street Market. So check it out if you're ever in Mississippi, if you ever want to make that trip down to Utica. It's 114 Main Street, Utica, Mississippi. Tell them I sent you. No discounts. Bam. I'm so joking. how gratifying is it to have to be a business owner at 24 and then to start a business in your home and to do um, that for your community? Like, like they didn't have a grocery store. Like you could say as a black woman, a young black woman, that you opened up a grocery store in your hometown. Honestly, it feels kind of surreal. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I'm just... Like, I didn't even want to post about it on social media. I was just like, I'd rather just work in silence and then, like, you know, not tell people anything. But a lot of times, uh, I don't think I give myself enough credit for Mm -hmm. all the things that I know that I accomplished with the help of others. And I also want to just make sure that... I can be an inspiration to other people and just let them know that, hey, you can do it too. You know, it's it's it takes time. You know, it takes some consistency. Like, but anything worth having takes hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels so real. Um, I still just feel like a regular twenty four year old. <laughs> um, but it feels extremely gratifying to know that my mom can just go in there and like get what she need, and she doesn't have to drive like forty five minutes. It also feels good to just like see the people within the community because right now since we opened I think I've been home twice Hmm. I think that it has brought me closer to my family because not to say I didn't have a reason to go back home but it's given me more incentive to go home because I want to see it I've seen my niece more times than I have within like just the summer up until now than I think I saw her last year um, I think that me and my family talk more because we're talking about the grocery store. Like we, hey, hey, mom, we need you to go pick up this meat from over here, or hey, sister, I need you to go get the greens from Mr. Jenkins' farm and stuff like that. So it's good in just bringing my family together. I didn't think that it was gonna do that for us, but it has. Mm. Um, and it's also just rewarding to like. I give a quick story. A lady, an older lady, came in after church one day. And she came in and she wanted some turnip greens. Um, I walked her over to the turnip greens because I just, you know, just wanted to see what she was looking for. That way I can get into the mind of a customer. That's what I was thinking. And she like looked the greens, said that they was healthy. Da-da-da-da. She said, but I'm not going to buy them. I said, why am I going to buy them? She was like, because I like turnip greens that got the big roots. I have never heard of <laughs> people wanting turnip greens for the big ass roots. I did not know what that was for. So I was like, I'll tell you this. How about the next time we get some turnip greens, I'm going to call you first and let you come up, with, up here yourself and we'll let you get first deals on like the turnip greens with the big roots. Because we had some big roots. It's just that the people picked those up first. Mm-hmm. And just like being able to like actually call her up and say like, hey, 
you know, we got the sunrise. Oh my God, I didn't think that she was going to call me. Oh my God, I'm so happy. And like, you know, like, do you need help getting to the store? So like, we're trying to set up transportation for like the elderly within the community because they don't have access to like transportation, different things like that. They depend on family members, different things like that. So there's a lot of new things that we're trying to incorporate within the business and just making sure that like it continues to grow and we set up another location and then bring that one up, set that up, set up another like location. But still again, I feel like a regular, regular 24-year-old, even though I know I'm not because mm-hmm. I am a business owner. And my goal is to have another business open by my either my 25th birthday or by the end of 2020. It'll be in so Mississippi? I don't know, okay. but by, the, by 2020 is the year for my second business, whatever that's going to be. I have ideas, but 2020 is the year for that. Okay. Um, so me, so, um, for those of you who do not know, I am a teacher assistant, but I'm also a journalist. That's what I went to school for. That's what I'm in debt for. Um, I freelance for the Jackson Free Press and I got the opportunity to work on a cover story, uh, in my beat, which is music, arts and culture, stuff like that. Um, we have Big Crit and David Banner as like, you know, household names of big hip hop artists in Mississippi. But there are also a lot of other dope local artists here who are making waves. And unfortunately, I don't know if you knew this because I don't know if you read the story yet, but mm-hmm. there was a young man named Little Lonnie who was catching people's ears and making a buzz in Mississippi and getting a lot of attention and like respect from like 50 Cent and like a lot of other big names in hip hop. But he died in 2018. He was driving down, I think it was Monticello Drive and somebody rolled up on his truck, shot him while he was in it and his car ended up crashing into a house and he died and he was 22 years old. And then not a year later, we turned around and we lost Nipsey Hussle this year so i just thought well more so my editor gave me the idea to kind of like you know examine the culture of success because we get these artists which similar to both of them they both died in their hometowns they both died in their communities they were both trying to do things to uplift their communities nipsey hustle was more notable as far as you know people knew who he was on a more national scale compared to little Lonnie, but I kind of wanted to examine like what the culture of success is and what it can bring because with Nipsey Hussle, I don't really know if we really know why that guy shot him. I feel like it's still all kind of a mystery. And with Little Lonnie, um, he did not know these guys that shot him. We can only assume that it was jealousy, you know, um, hate, you know, a multitude of reasons why they shot and killed him. But I kind of examined the culture of success the challenges that come with it. I got to sit down with these dope artists who some of them knew Lonnie through passing. Some of them knew him personally. Um, And we just had a good hour conversation inside this really dope store. Um, What area is it? Kind of close to West Jackson called Offbeat. They sell like music and comic books and stuff. And we just sat there and talked for an hour about like the culture success and like, you know, what it's like being an artist here in Mississippi and what, how Little Lonnie's death and Nipsey Hussle's death affected them. And I also got to talk to Angie Thomas. If you don't know, that, uh-huh. don't know who that is, 
she's the author of the best-selling novel The Hate You Give and she's also mm-hmm. the author of the other her second novel which is on the come up which is another good book by the way um I got to talk to her about it and she's making some strides in her community of Georgetown to kind of help um uplift her community and she talked about wanting to buy back like a business development um in Georgetown and like refurbish it and open it back up so like her community can have stores and and a grocery store and all this stuff in it. And I talked to the CEO of this hip hop um, publication and we kind of talked about the culture success and social media. And I talked to these experts and surprisingly, they really didn't even know how to go about examining how we fix this. So we don't have to see Mm -hmm. other brothers dying from stuff like this. Cause there is no reason why, like I say, there's no reason why Nipsey Hussle, is not alive today, but there's also no reason why Little Lonnie shouldn't be alive. You know, like, there's no reason why Nipsey Hussle shouldn't be able to see his son turn three. There's no reason why Little Lonnie shouldn't be able to celebrate a Grammy nomination. But we both lost people who will never know what they really could have become if they had got one more day or one more month or one more year. And that's kind of at the heart of what this story was supposed to be about. And this was a cover story. So I wrote over 5,000 words. This is a long ass mm. story. And before that, I had wrote a story that was like 4,200 words. And that was just for a damn class assignment. So to write something this long, I wrote it in two days. I don't know how I did that shit, but I wrote it in two days. Wow. And to talk to the people I talked to, um, to get the feedback I've gotten, like all the artists shared it. And a lot of people seem to really like the story. It's just it's just a good step in the direction of where I want to see for myself as a writer. And I think it's a good way to kind of see a different aspect of Mississippi outside of the bad stuff or outside of what I normally wrote, which was like a lot of healthcare and urban reporting. I really enjoy writing it. At first, I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to write a cover story. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I got it done. And I had fun doing it. And I talked to a lot of dope people. Angie Thomas was cool as fuck. We was talking about Tupac and stuff. The artist was dope as fuck. They were really open and vulnerable and honest. And I was able to get some great connections for future stories. And so, you know, if you just happen to have some free time and you want to check out the article, you can just go to jacksonfreepress.com. You can type in my name. It's called More Love Than Hate. That's the name of the article. And you can learn about Lil Lonnie. You can learn about Vitamin C, Jody Boy, Dollar Black, um, Young Jewels, Dev Mac, Jewel, and a whole bunch of other dope individuals. And Angie Thomas, by the way, is also from Jackson, and she still lives here. So she's also from here. So you get to learn a lot about Mississippi music and what's happening here. And yeah, you just just read the article. So that's my homegrown. Shout out to you, best friend. So like, how did that even come up like for you to put this whole framework together when you say framework what do you mean like the source like how did you no like how did you start with like the whole little lunny thing and then like how that success like you know it's similar to like Nipsey Hussle but like Nipsey Hussle was bigger and then how you loop like all these other like local artists together like, well, I'm trying to understand like how your mind me and my editor this. it was like like it was just mm-hmm. a conversation me and her had because sometimes I'll go in her office and I had told her I wanted to do stuff more in like the arts and culture realm. And she was like, well, I don't want you to just do reviews, you know, like, let's try to get you like some different kind of pieces. And so 
she spoke about Lil Lonnie and I had never heard of him. I have been gone from Mississippi for six years. So it's a lot of shit that's been happening here in Jackson that I had to refresh myself on. And I was like, I had never heard of Lil Lonnie. She told me what happened to him. And I was just listening to what happened. And I was like, oh, that's funny because I'm like, Nipsey Hussle died earlier this year. And it's just so sad Mm -hmm. that like, you know, you telling me that this young man was shot and killed in his community and then Nipsey Hussle just died. And so she just kind of brought up success and we just started having a conversation and she brought up, you know, like, well, what does that look like and what are the challenges? And I just kind of felt like, okay, well, the world was impacted by a guy like Nipsey who was, it's like, here you got a man who has not forgotten where he's come from. He's doing everything Mm -hmm. he can to try to uplift his community business-wise, economic-wise, educational-wise. You know, he is not scared to get his hands dirty. And no matter how much money or success he gets, he always know where home is. And here you have another man who was on the cusp of success. Like, the way that they talk about Lil Lonnie and how he was making strides that could have helped put them on and how he also didn't forget where he came from. And he was also in college while he was pursuing his music. He was going to Jackson State. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was putting on for Jack. And the thing is, even though Big Crit is from here, he's from Meridian. He's not from the city of Jackson. So those are two separate cities. You know, like there hasn't really been anybody that, well, outside of David Banner, but in this new age, there hasn't really been anybody outside of him who's really put on for Jackson and the way that they upheld Lonnie as like this guy who was doing that and was getting a lot of recognition from like people in the industry and stuff like that. It was just kind of like he was on the cusp of greatness. He could have been where Nipsey Hussle was if he had gotten, if he hadn't been shot and killed. And so I was just putting those together. Like the way I start off the article is like, I say 1000 and such and such miles away and, and, and South central Atlanta, Nipsey Hussle was kneeling down to take a picture with a fan. He had on like these this white shirt and this this red these red shorts, and you could tell he was comfortable and casual. And so I'm just trying to set up that like that man went in there, no security. It was just I'm finna run into my neighborhood real quick, help somebody out, and I'm a dip. Like that's how comfortable he was in his neighborhood that he could mm-hmm. he didn't need security. It was just a regular day. It was the, he had the expectation that he was gonna go back home. Uh, and he, like right. that was the expectation that he was gonna go there and go right back home, and then something crazy happened. Somebody came up to him and shot him six times and kicked him in the head twice. And then I say, not a year prior to that in Jackson, the city was mourning the loss of a, a, a star who was on the cusp of greatness. You had little Liney who was just driving down the street and somebody ran up on him and shot him, and they arrested the dudes who did wow. it. But and I and I also I forgot to mention I talked to his sister. So I also got to talk to his family and she spoke about him and the memory she had of him and what she wanted his legacy to be. And that's kind of another thing like Nipsey Hussle had the marathon continues, but what is little Lonnie's legacy going to be when it's all said and done? Mm -hmm. So that's another aspect of the article. I forgot about that. I don't want to keep, I don't want to not mention her because I did talk to her, but like, I think what hurts the most in these two situations is the potentiality of it all. Like we will never know what could have happened with either of these two men. You know, like we saw how Nipsey Hussle was really on his way because he had a Grammy nomination. You know, he had the Puma thing that was finna launch before he died. The stuff he was doing for his community. And it's like, I didn't really know much about Nipsey Hussle outside of the fact that he dated Lauren London. But it really made me sad to know that he was doing so much for his community. And 
it's almost like you wonder why people don't want to go back home because of stuff like this. Like you try to help your community and that same person in the community murders you in it. Like, yeah. And I mean, one of the rappers that I interviewed said, you know, David Banner said this a couple of years ago. He was like, if I'm going to die anywhere, it's probably going to be in my hometown. And it mm. stuck with him. And I'm just like, it just, it just came together like that. I was just like, I couldn't loop in that to talk about this because they were two isolated incidents in two very distinct cities. But yeah. the, the, the sentiment remains the same. that like, it's a tragic event and these families I left grieving and these cities and these communities I left with no hope when they get a little bit of it. And we're not going to know what's going to happen in, uh, in, in Crenshaw, right? That's where, Lilani, not Lilani, that's where Nipsey from, right? Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen to them now that that seed of hope is gone. We don't know what's going to happen to these artists in Mississippi or like I think now that Lil Nipsey, is gone. It'll keep going. Yeah, for sure. Because I think the legacy that he left, and I think that the legacy that he left is not just like, you know, impactful for LA and then California. I think that it has expanded like throughout the US and maybe even globally because now I see like with other entrepreneurs and people that are doing stuff, they always say like hashtag the marathon continues Mm -hmm. like because they're like paying homage to what he did and then also paying it forward for like, you know, creating yeah. their legacy and different things like that. Yeah. But you still got to have those individuals there who don't want it to die. Like, I hope that community does not let some of the stuff he implemented die. I hope they take care of their business development that he established. Yeah. Like, I hope the computer program that he set up continues to live on. I hope that playground that he, you know, remodeled. Yeah, and then the Victor 90 thing, like, all of that. He's not here anymore, so it's like, what are y'all gonna do with what he left y'all? Because he could easily, you know, it could easily just turn into chaos again. You know, because he was helping to keep that running. And so I just, it just, that's just kind of like what the article was about. And so, it just from there, it started from a conversation and then it just went from I met this rapper, like one of the rappers, Vitamin C, shout out to her. She was the connecting point to all these rappers. Because I, in my head, I had a sub where I was like, okay, I want to use her. Because I know she, you know, me and her talked for like an hour when I interviewed her. And she was hella dope. And she was telling me about all these artists in Mississippi. And I was like, you know what? I can host a conversation for him with all of them and get them to talk about mm-hmm. it. Because I don't know anything about him. Like, I don't know anything about Lil Lonnie. I didn't know anything about him until she mentioned it. Who better would know him except the people who live and breathe here and been making music here? She got it together. We met on a Sunday. We talked for about an hour and some change. And we sat around a table in the front of the store and passed my phone around as it was recording. And everybody just went around giving their, you know, opinions or thoughts on what happened. And, like, they were really affected by Lil Lonnie's death. Even the people who didn't really know him, it, it really hit them what he meant. And even with Nipsey Hussle, yeah. that was another thing. Like, when I asked him about that, they really was like, it just got, it got really sad. So I just, Bumper. that happened. And then Angie Thomas, I got that through my editor because she interviewed Angie Thomas. And I actually had seen her. She came in the office for an interview, a podcast interview one day with her mom. So I had seen her, but we hadn't been introduced. So I did the interview with her. And then I felt like I was missing something, which was like actual Source, not sources, um, like experts. And so that Monday before the story was due, I just started hitting up a bunch of people like, hey, I want to talk about this, 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 that, and the third. 
somebody connected me with Jigsaw, who was the guy who was the CEO of this hip hop thing. And we, I literally came up with some quick questions because he was like, I can talk to you in like 10 minutes. And we just mm-hmm. talked for 20 minutes and I got everything I needed. And then I was able to talk to these other experts and they really did not have an answer for me. But I was like, maybe the fact that I'm even asking you this question is how we start the conversation because they didn't really know where to even begin. Like somebody had brought up um, generational wealth and lack of opportunities and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of deep ass shit that like, it was just a lot. So I just, they didn't even know the experts didn't even know how to even broach the subject. So it just was a lot of connecting and relationships and, and it just went from there. And then I was done. And the cover art is really dope. It's all five of the artists I interviewed. It's a really mm-hmm. nice cover. So, um, they only have physical copies here. I don't know if you can order them online, but if you want to read the article, you can just go to the jacksonfreepress.com. Okay, best friend. Mm-hmm. So, for the last segment, it's just going to be what we normally used to do towards the end, which was like music movies tv music um, and just for time constraints i just want you to just talk about summer walker because since we're on the subject of music i'll let you talk about Listen. her album because you also wanted to talk about how people have been critiquing her for her social yeah okay that's how we'll end the okay show. let me just say summer walker's album is literally a play from track one all the way to the end of the track list like over it is a good album and I was a little bit skeptical because I don't know if you remember but I had told you about something and I was like oh she's just trying to be like Summer Walker <laughs> I'm not, not going to say nothing about that but anywho I was like skeptical so I'm like mm, I don't know if I'm going to like this she kind of like sounds the same but when I say that this has been the most relatable album I wish that I had this album when I was in college hmm. like I wish like I wish I had this senior year Senior year of college, I wish I had this album. Hmm. And I'm not going to trip because I had a seat at the table in college. I had Beyonce self-titled. Like, there are some different albums that I remember in college, but I really feel like this would have just made me feel like I wasn't alone even more if I had heard this in um, senior year of college. Hmm. Uh, I think it's just good. Um, I think she has some tracks, I know there's one track, I can't think of the name of it, but um, it sounds like it's very off the cuff, like just raw. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't sound like it's in the studio. You just hear a guitar like strumming and like you can kind of hear stuff in the background and she's just singing like acapella. And I was like, you know what? I like that. I like that it's raw. I like that it's unfiltered and it's just her singing. Um, but I just like the content overall because like I think the title track over it, she's just literally just saying how over it she fucking is. And, like, there's other songs. Like, I think um, I think it's Drunk Dialing, where she's like, it's 334 and I don't know no more. Like, just thinking about, like, I want to call up, call you up. I know I'm drunk, da 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 this. Um, she also has a song, um, I Might Just Be a Ho. <laughs> I think I like that one, too, because it's like, you know, sometimes you just be thinking, like, damn, I might just be a hoe. But I think it's more like the dude trying to say, like, you know, I heard that you've been out here doing this, that, and the third. You know, I might just be a hoe. But um, I think it's a solid album. Uh, I believe it debuted at number one on the R&B charts, which was really, really good for her. Um, but going to... So a clip came out yesterday where um, 
NPR show like her little tiny second tiny mm-hmm. disc like they just previewed or whatever because I don't think it's up on YouTube but everybody just started pouring in saying like okay why she feel like she don't want to be her if you don't want to be a singer don't be a singer like oh why is her personality so dull like see if she gonna do this on the tour I want my money back all this type of stuff and then like a lot of people kept coming to her defense saying like she suffers from social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And she has came out and said this several, several times. Like, I think her whole tagline for her tour that she's doing is, this is my first and last tour. Like, this is going to be my first time doing this shit, and then I'm retired. Because I think in her interview with Ari Lennox, she said that, mm, I think after this album, I'm just going home and sit down, sis. So you just never know what's going to come next from her. But um, she released like this, um, I don't know if she released it in like, as a rebuttal to what everybody was saying, but she just explained how, like, different ways that her social anxiety manifests. Um, she said that she could be getting on a plane, excuse me, with somebody that she knows, but she's so, like, fearful or, like, not wanting to be socially awkward that she just looks straight ahead, even though that she's with people that know her. Mm. She won't talk to anybody, and she's, like, crippled with fear. She said her social anxiety is, like, coming out, um, coming from an interview, and it's sweat dripping off of her body, mm. and, like, her armpits and stuff. She said her social anxiety is being in a family gathering with your family and you not talking to your family because you feel so crippled with your social anxiety and how her anxiety has made her not have friendships. She said she doesn't have friends. And she said it's hindered her relationships with her own family members. Like, she doesn't even have relationships with her own family mm. because it's just how crippling this is. And everybody's like, but do nobody ask you to be a singer and all this type of stuff? And, like, and then somebody was like, but how is this that you had social anxiety and that you was a stripper? All this type of stuff. And then my whole thing is sometimes people pick up these different talents and skills to step away from like their mental health issues, like social anxiety and different things like that. Who knows? Singing can be an easy way for her to like, you know, mm-hmm. just cope with some of this stuff. And who knows when she was stripping, maybe that was just the opportunity for she ain't got to talk to nobody when she strips. She just need to dance and mm-hmm. she just need to go on back, grab her look, grab her money off the floor and get the hell on. Yeah. I was wondering too, when I saw the clip, I was like, she don't really seem. She seemed disconnected, but, see, but I, my thing is, yeah. I don't know Summer, like, I don't listen to Summer, to my defense, I don't listen to Summer Walker's music. I don't pay attention to her like this. So it was news to me when I went through the comments, somebody said, well, oh, she suffers from social anxiety and she has a dog yeah. that she carries with her. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. even in that other interview where she was talking hella weird and she was sitting on that bed, I was like, is she okay? Yeah. Because she looked like I she couldn't like, she breathe. Good? She like she couldn't breathe, like the way she was talking, but then maybe it just takes the right people because it didn't seem like with her and Ari Lennox that that was an yeah. issue. It seemed like they were kicking and having a great time. So, I mean, I I think I it depends on her environment. have a little bit of social anxiety. Like, I just feel like when I get in certain social situations, especially with people I do not know, I don't know how to talk to people. I feel like small talk is very awkward to me. I feel like it's so unnecessary and it just makes me uncomfortable and I just feel like I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to keep the conversation going. That's why when I meet new people, especially if I'm in social settings, you're going to see me posted back quiet as a motherfucker just staring and watching and observing because I do not know you like that. Yeah. I am not that comfortable around you like that to be my authentic self. And when we get to hanging out more, then I'll start opening up. But like, I'm, I feel like I'm socially awkward too. Like, I just don't know how to talk to people. Like, I, I just... <laughs> It's just weird to me. Like, I hate fucking small talk. I, I don't know how to talk. I'm not laughing. No, I'm not laughing. I know you're not. Social anxiety. 
I think I'm just laughing because I know you and I feel like yes, but see, you, I like like you know me. people because so you like this how do you have it? No, but I remember people would say like when I would say, "Oh, I'm with a lid." Like people were like, "You don't think she's weird?" And I was like, "No, I don't think she's weird at all." Like I think that's just a lid. Who said I was weird? Who said that? I'm not gonna say their name right now. We can text about it, but somebody is definitely. I remember somebody saying Leah's weird, bro, and I was like, "No, she's Who, not." Give me that initials. What next? Um, so I also <laughs> think that I. Why would you just give me that initials? Not like I'm gonna go find no. the bitch and like. We don't know them. if these. We don't know if they listen to it. So I mean, next, I'm not mad if they said that because I can be weird sometimes. But okay, NM next. I said it next. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't repeat it. Yeah. It's this girl. I don't even. even I don't, I'm in my head. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> okay. Okay. So I think it's weird that I have social anxiety or like social awkwardness because people always label me as an extrovert. Yeah. Like, I don't think you are. I, I'm I can definitely, definitely get up in front of a room full of people and talk. I can definitely be and make. Is that what it's yes, called? Yes. You can, can do both. Yes. I can do both. I can definitely get up and network and make small talk. Now, mm-hmm. my social anxiety manifests in different ways. I could be having a conversation with you. We can finish the conversation. We can totally finish the conversation. Literally, I would be thinking the rest of the event, the rest of the night, damn, should I have said, hey, how are you? Or should I have said hi? Oh, that's how, how I am. I beat myself about a lot yeah. of shit. Yeah, and, and then really I bad. also... I also be like, damn, did I cut them off too many times? I think I cut them off when I did this. And then I be like, this thing, let this shit go. Let this shit go. And I cannot, I cannot let it go. This is so like, me. Yeah. Oh and I be like, wait. I be like, wait. Do she think that I interpret what she said as something else? Because she gave me a weird look. Oh, shit. Do I have resting bitch race? Oh, my God. Did I laugh when she said that she was going through art? Like, I do stuff like that. That's how mine manifests. But also, I was telling my landlord this today. Um, he was like, oh, you know, like, I think you're an extra. I was like, yeah, I'm an extra, but I also need my space. Like, there are periods when I don't want to talk. Mm-hmm. When, like, because when I get home from work, I want to sit in solitude. I don't want to hear music. I don't want to like read nothing. I don't want to get on like, I don't want to do anything. I just need to sit in complete silence because if I don't, I feel like my brain is overstimulated and I'm going to find my anxiety is going to like grow out of this world. But my social anxiety is like, I nitpick on the interactions that have already happened. Yeah, that's, that's me too. That's how I am. I just, I just think small talk is just so weird. It's so unnecessary. And I'm all about yeah. having, like, a natural, genuine time. I feel like it would be different if I'm under the influence. But, like, if it's just regular me, I'm literally just going to sit back and be quiet. And motherfuckers yeah. more than likely going to be like, why are you so quiet? Or why are you not talking? I don't know you, sister or brother. I just, <laughs> I came here because maybe I was low-key forced to come or I just wanted to get out the house. And it don't always mean I want to talk. I just maybe just want to be in the scene chill yeah. and sit back and if I feel like I want to start talking if a conversation or a topic come up that I want to just voice my opinion on I'll do so but if that makes me weird as fuck well hell I'm fucking weird it's better than being normal and basic so MM Ooh. whoever you are thank you it was a compliment <laughs> so that concludes this episode of girl this was long yeah the fish and grits podcast but it was a lot of good content um yes. you guys can follow us on Twitter at fish underscore underscore grits. We don't have an Instagram set up yet. 
but that will come soon. That website that I'm always talking about, I still haven't finished it, but I'm determined before the end of the year to finish it with bios and socials and all it. And mm-hmm. by the time this episode comes out, there will be a playlist to accompany it. So please listen and enjoy these different musical facets of us. And I wonder how many of y'all could figure out which songs we picked out. Cause I bet it'd be cool. That, I mean, that would be dope if people could like try to figure out. Hmm, I wonder which I think five, that we're different. Yeah. Which five. Well, actually, when you picked out Perfect Ten, I had that on my list later on. So when you put mm. it on there, I was like, I'll just put in another song for another play- a playlist. I just had it. Like, I have all of my playlists, all my five songs mm. picked out for every playlist. So I just had it on there. And I was like, well, since she already put it out there, I'm just going to delete that one and put in another song that I want to put out there. So, yeah. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you like the new format. I, I enjoyed it. Having some yeah, it was structure. Fine. Even though this shit long as fuck. I dread <laughs> who finna edit this. I want to be finna edit it. <laughs> I think it's your I think it's your turn because it's my turn to edit this episode. It probably is and I hate it. You wanted to switch. Okay, bye you guys.